Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. The gospel according to St. John, we've been uh, speaking on text message sermon series for the past, I would say, seven weeks, if not eight weeks. And today is our very last uh, Sunday when, where we, we, we will be speaking on that theme, text message. Because when you look at scripture, the scripture is the first text message ever written. It's not the one you send your friends on the phone, but the first text message is found in the word of God. And every Bible verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible has one message. And that message is Jesus. If I take Jesus out of the Bible, there is no message. So the text's message in the Bible is Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus comes to the planet over 2,000 years ago, he makes it his business to let those who are reading the book, in addition to those of us who are here on the other side of history, He makes it his business to let us know that he was the message that had been written of him before he showed up. And so on seven occasions, we see that Jesus makes it his business to let us know who he was. And just to recap as I close the series, in John chapter 6 verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. That bread of life that Jesus is referring to was written of him in the book of Leviticus and Exodus when God made bread fall from heaven and fed them in the wilderness. So he is saying in the text message you've heard of the manna, I am the bread of life. And John 8 chapter 12, John 8 verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And John 8, 58, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. John chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. John chapter 14, sorry, John chapter 15, we spoke about that last week. Jesus said, I am the true vine. And today we're going to wrap it up with John chapter 14 and verse 6, when Jesus said to his disciples, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except this is a portion of Scripture that has a lot of mixed emotions in it. Has a lot of sadness in this Scripture. When you read the Gospel according to St. John, you're going to realize how important it was For John, the disciple, it was important for him to narrate the last week of Jesus' 
life before the cross. When you read the Gospels, the Gospel according to St. Matthew, Matthew makes it his business in his presentation of the Gospel to let us know that Jesus is the King of the Jews. That's Matthew's presentation. And so everything he writes, he writes it so because Matthew is writing to the Jewish community. And he writes to them because the Jews did not want to accept Jesus as the Messiah. So Matthew's presentation of Jesus is he is the king of the Jews. And so he doesn't spend a lot of time in things that John spends in because of his focus in writing the letter. When you read the gospel according to Mark, the gospel according to Mark exhibits Christ as the great conqueror as it pertains to authority over the seas and authority over nature and authority over the winds. And his presentation has an approach because of the people he's trying to write to. However, when Luke writes, he writes from a philosophical standpoint and from a medicinal standpoint because Luke was a doctor. And so he'll explain issues as pertains to miracles Jesus did, giving us more details because Luke is writing from a physician's standpoint. And so he gives more details as how long was the person sick and how long did it take because he's he's analyzing the miracles of Jesus from a physician's point of view. When John writes his gospel, John doesn't focus on Matthew's perspective or on Luke or on even uh, Mark. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, John gets to the point. And the point is, chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word. Matthew starts out giving us a history, a history of who was uh, the genealogy and how did Jesus come about and when was he born. John, Matthew does that, but John doesn't focus on that. Because John's focus is to exhibit to those that are going to read this word to know this, that Jesus is the only begotten of the Father, full of mercy and truth. And you notice that when you read the gospel according to John, half of the chapters in the gospel according to John, he writes about the last week of Jesus before going to the cross. So to John, it matters this last week. John doesn't spend a lot of time talking about all of these miracles because he has one focus. One, to exhibit that Jesus is the word of God, that he is the Logos, and that Logos needs to die on the cross so that as he dies on the cross, he resurrects with power. So his focal point is to let everybody know that this man named Jesus is God incarnate. And so he focuses on being specific and detailed in the last week of Jesus before the cross. So he writes, half of the gospel of John is focused on that last week. Now, with that perspective, when you read John chapter 14, you realize that Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples a week Before the cross. So what's the context of John chapter 14 and verse 6? Jesus is giving his disciples the final instructions because he knows that the time has come for the Son of Man to die. 
So when we hear, and Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, this is not a hype moment. This is a sad moment. The disciples are ready to realize my Savior is about to die. So ain't nobody happy. It's just like somebody who, God forbid, is sick, and they're saying, you only got two more weeks to live. You're not hyped because he says, my, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No, you're sad. You're broken. You're hurting. And it is in that moment of brokenness that Jesus declares, I am the way. I am the truth. It's been three and a half years that Jesus is with his disciples. Three and a half years of teaching. Three and a half years of preaching, three and a half years of encouragement, three and a half years of seeing miracles and faith and power and resurrection and healing and all of that stuff. But when you get to chapter 12 is when Jesus begins to say, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be betrayed, to be crucified, and raised on the third day. This is a very crucial moment in the history of the disciples as it pertains to their master. So chapter 12 through 18, we see Jesus sharing his heart to his disciples. Chapter 12, I'm going to die. Chapter 13, he's telling him, it's going to be crazy. Chapter 15, he says, I'm going to pray. I'm sorry, chapter 15, he talks about I am divine and you are the branches. And without me, you can't do nothing. He's just telling him, listen, as long as we're together and connected, it's going to be okay. Chapter 16, 15, chapter 15, part B, and chapter 16, he's talking, he starts praying to the Father. Father, Lord, I know that you, that you and I are one. Let them be one. I mean, this is all an intimate, sensitive series of chapters because Jesus knows that the time is coming for him to go. So in John chapter 12, verse 27 through 36, we see Jesus announcing his death. And the atmosphere between Jesus and his disciples is an emotional one. And everybody of the 12, every one of the 12 are troubled and are sad. And it is in that context that then Jesus says in John chapter 14, I'm going to read it. John chapter 14 verses 1 through 4. The disciples are broken. The disciples are hurting. Oh, my God, my Savior is dying. He's going to die. And now Jesus has to minister to them, and he tells them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And it's like they're so caught up in the moment that they can't see outside of the box. And notice what Jesus does. This is phenomenal. Because if, I, if I'm Jesus and I know that a week from today, I'm going to get whipped, put on a cross, I wouldn't be talking about that. I mean, listen, guys, listen, listen. Go, go buy machine guns and go buy um, 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 bazookas and, 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 and let's go in a cave somewhere. You don't, you don't do that. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And at this point, they're still like, oh, my God, but Jesus, but it can't happen. It can't happen. And then Jesus, look, what, look how he shifts the conversation. In my father's house, there are many rooms. No, 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 no. I don't know, I don't know if you just missed it. Why are you talking to me about, about rooms when I'm in the middle of grief? He mentioned this to take them away from their worries to give them an image of something different. He says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. But the version I got is, there are many mansions. 
If that were not so, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Time out. You know the way to the place where I'm going. So here we see Jesus encouraging his disciples. He tells them he's preparing a place for them. And they're crying because he's dying. And he says, don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> because this death is only going to allow me to get to the place I have to go so that I can prepare a place for you so that where I am, you can be with. Notice how he shifts it. And in that place, when he gets there, he's going to prepare a place for them. And then he also tells them, not only am I going to go and prepare a place, not only am I going to prepare for you, but I'm also going to return from that place. So while they're crying because he's about to die, Jesus is giving hope. Only your Savior has the power to give us hope in the midst of despair. And as a result, Thomas responds. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except for me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know my fathers as well. From now on, I'm sorry, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, now notice, we got a guy who, who don't believe by the name of Thomas. And now we got a guy by the name of Philip who says, Lord, show us the father. And that will be enough for us. In other words, okay, 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 you're going to go prepare a place. But before you go, can you, can you just give me a snippet of something? Because my mocha's are coming up from crying and I need to see something. Verse 10, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Verse 11, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves, verily, truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Why? Because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that what? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Did you see the image? Nostalgic, sad. And it is in that context that Jesus says, I am the way. Now, John, like Jesus, there's a lot of similitudes. I told you that John's focus was exhibiting Christ. And John speaks in the gospel according to John about another guy by the name of John, who was John the Baptist, who, by the way, is Jesus' cousin. 
And the Bible mentions and tells us that John the Baptist had an assignment while he was in the planet. John the Baptist's ministry, from the moment he started preaching in the wilderness to the moment he was decapitated by Herod, his ministry only lasted about six months to a year. One of the shortest ministries ever in the Bible was John the Baptist's ministry. And the reason why John the Baptist don't have a problem in being not that elastic in his ministry is because he understood his function. John said this, I am just the person who was called by God to prepare the way. He was the pave, the pathfinder, if you will. So John came to prepare, check this out, he came to prepare a way for who? For Jesus. I'm going to say it again. He came to prepare a way. Jesus said, I am the way. There's a difference between a way and the way. John the Baptist came to prepare a way. Jesus says, I am the way. A way came to prepare for me. Now, there's a difference between a way and there's a difference between the way. We have a lot of ways that people say can take you to God. But there's only one way to the Father. Now, the way, however, is specific, is a specific place that leads you into eternal life with Christ himself. Now, let me explain what the way is. Because there are, I'll explain this and we'll close with this. I lived in New York a lot of years, at the age of, from 31 years to be, 30 years to be exact. Um, and I used to commute a lot from New York to Florida, right? There's a highway that can take me from Florida to New York, and that highway is called Interstate 95. Is anybody familiarized with Interstate 95? Okay. Interstate 95, or I-95, can lead you from Florida to New York. I-95 is the same road or highway in Florida as it is in New York. Now, in between Florida and New York, there are different states, but the highway is still the same highway. And depending the state you're in, there have their specific speed limits, right? But the highway is still the same, I-95. Now, to get to New York from Florida, you have to get on I-95. This is it is. Jesus is our I-95. Jesus is God. On earth, Elohim, the plurality of God. Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father, and it will be suffice for us. And Jesus told Philip, Papa, if you see me, you see the Father. 
But the only way to get to the Father, you got to get on the highway. And I am the way that's going to take you to the Father. So if you look at me, you look at the Father. If you stay with me, by the time you make it to your New York, you're going to see the Father, which, by the way, is me too. Because I am the way to the Father. Now, 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 I could be standing on I-95 in Florida. You can be standing on I-95 in New York. And I could be talking to you through the phone and tell you where you at. I'm on I-95. And you could say, I don't see you. I'm on I-95. Because although we are in different locations, it's the same highway, it's the same road. That's why when I come to church, I'm glad that I don't have to be at your level as long as I'm on the way. On the way. Jesus said, I am the way. How many of you guys ever studied the, the tabernacle? In the Old Testament, the tabernacle. Okay. The tabernacle was a place that God told the people to build while they were 40 years in the wilderness, right? And they had to build it until they got to the promised land. In other words, they needed the presence of God as they journeyed from slavery to the promised land. So God said, I want you to do this. Build me a tabernacle. And when you build me the tabernacle, my presence will be there. So in the nighttime, there was a pillar of fire. In the daytime, there was a pillar of cloud. Okay? And that was a reality for them to experience presence. Now, when they built the tabernacle, they had, they had the wash basin. And that was before you went into the tabernacle, the first thing you had to do was clean your hands because you couldn't be filthy in God's house. And if I, God, I feel like preaching that right now, but devil is a lie. I won't do that today. You had to, you know, that's what the Bible says, who shall enter into the holy mount, he who have clean hands and a pure heart. But one day I preach that. So you had to clean your hands. Then the second thing you had to do, you had to come with an offering. You couldn't come, you couldn't come without a sacrifice. But, 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 but from the moment you entered, because then they had a, they had a white, a white, it's like a curtain that would cover like a pipe and drape. <laughs> they had pipe and drape in the Bible. They had white pipe and drape. And they would pipe and drape the entire tabernacle. And so from the moment you enter into, into the place that was sanctified, there was, there was the wash basin. Then you had to walk. And then they had the bronze, the bronze altar. And then you had the, the, the place, the, the place of, of the meeting. Then you had the holy place. Then you had the holies of holies. And, 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 and once you walked in the door, there was a road that will take you from the moment you wash to the Holy of Holies. That road was called the way. So depending where you where you were in the, in, the, in, in the tabernacle, you might have been in the wash basin area, but if you were still in the way, you were still connected to the Holy of Holies. Jesus, when he says, I am the way, what he's saying is, if you want to get to the Holy of Holies, you got to do it through me. But if you go in me, the first thing I'm going to do is, I'm going to wash your heart, I'm going to wash your life. The second thing I want, I want you to sacrifice, and I want you to give up your life, and as you're washing and sacrificing, Sacrificing, I'm getting you closer to the Holy of Holies. And when you get in the Holy of Holies, you're going to find me. You're going to find the Father. You're going to find the Holy Ghost. You're going to find deliverance because the Father and I are one. He says, I am the way. I am the way. And so the Lord is calling us today to walk with Jesus in the way. I'll close with this. 
and I'll preach this next week. I can't, I, I can't do the way, I can't do the truth, and I can't do the life. I'll focus on the way. The Bible tells us about a man who walked with the way. Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. It says, Enoch walked faithfully with the way. Then he was no more because God took him. The Lord wants to take us in a journey, church. That's why when I see what God is doing in this church, when I see the presence of God, the Lord wants to take us in a journey where we can get so into connected into being with the way that God says, You, 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 you so much into me that why don't we just go home? See, some of y'all don't want to die, but, 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 but. <laughs> Enoch walked with God so much so that God said, yo, we might as well go to heaven. You know what it is to walk with God? I'm not talking, listen, listen, listen. One thing is walking alongside God. Another thing is walking with God. Because some of us are walking, but God is way ahead and we're way behind. But walking with God is every step you make, Jesus, I'm right next to you. Everywhere you take me, I'll go. Everywhere you lead me, Enoch walked with God. And God said, it's time to promote this brother to the next level. And the Bible says, God took Enoch to heaven. And that's where the Lord wants to take us, church. To the point that God says... God determined. What is that? God determined to take him. God liked Enoch's presence and companionship so much so that God said, hey, 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 papa, papa. Let's just go. I got a better house for you. I got a better life for you. I got, I got a better purpose for you. When you start walking with God, when you start walking with the way, when you start living that life that God wants you to walk, you're going to start seeing that God's plan is better than your plan. You're going to start giving up some stuff, and you're going to start relinquishing some stuff, because now you realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. The, walk I, the more I walk with the way, I become like him, I act like him, I look like him, I speak like him, I worship him, I want to be in his presence. The more you walk with the way, that's why I don't understand how you could be in the way and live your life the way you want to, because Paul said... I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live it to the glory of the Father. You can't be in the way and look like you. It's impossible. So to go to the Father, you must go to Jesus. In this state of fear and fright, the disciples are, oh my God, they're going to kill my Jesus. Jesus tells them, do not be troubled. Have faith in God. Have faith in me. And my father's house. So you can't see it because you are, you're not walking in the way. But in my father's house, there are many mansions. And I'm going to go and prepare. Um, can you imagine? God went to heaven to prepare a mansion for you. Can you imagine that? 
And when I'm talking about mansion, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, pit my house. I'm not when, I'm, when I'm talking about mansion, mansions in the Old Testament is not the way we see mansion. We're talking about big chandeliers and big plasma. No, no. Mansions in the times of the Bible represented a place of abundance, a place of fulfillment, a place of joy, a place. It's not that God's going to give you a big plasma because you're very holy and you're going to have a 75,000-inch TV. No. What he's saying is the mansion I'm going to give you, mansion represents purpose. Mansion represents success. Mansion represents fulfilling your purpose. God says, if you're faithful with me, even in the midst of your despair and you're crying and you're hurting and you don't know what's going to happen, if you stay with the way, I'm going to take you to a place of joy, a place of purpose, a place of hope. I pray today you don't get out of the way and you stay connected to the way, the truth, and the life so that when you get to heaven, you can say it was worth staying connected to the way, church. So as I close, what is keeping you from walking in the way? The Bible says in John, sorry, Mark, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It talks about a man by the name of Bartimaeus who was blind. The Bible says that Bartimaeus was blind, begging by the wayside. He wasn't in the way, he was by the way. By the way? Well, that sounds nice. Now, here's why he was by the way. He was begging for money. He was asking for alms. But here's what happened. While he was, by the way, the way started walking by the way. And the Bible says that when blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was walking by, when blind Bartimaeus heard that the way was near his way, he changed his attitude. He began to scream out and say, Lord, Jesus rather, son of David, have mercy upon me. And the Bible says that as he started crying that out, the people, the multitude, were telling him to shut up. Because let me tell you, if there's one thing the enemy don't want, the enemy does not want you to walk in the way. And sometimes he'll use people in your environment to make you feel like you shouldn't be going all crazy for Jesus. But man, just, just go to church. What are you trying to be screaming? I, I'm, try, I'm trying to get to the way. What are you? Why are you always so hype? Why are you always just, just, just relax and be quiet? No, 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 no. God didn't call me to be by the wayside. God called me to be with the way. And even if you don't like it, I'm going to cry out. I'm going to scream. I'm going to shout until I get out of from being on the wayside. And I'm walking with the way. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you would like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.